In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This week, a friend introduced me to the parable of the polygons. I didn't know what in the world they were talking about, but I googled, as we all do, and on this little corner of the internet where I'd never been before, I found a fascinating simulation created by Vi Hart and Nikki Case, two folks who brought to life the work of Nobel Prize-winning game theorist Thomas Schelling. In a nutshell, this playable post plays around with optimization of the shape of human society, working within those customary parameters that are akin to our natural human biases. In this make-believe world, comprised of neighboring squares and perky little triangles, all of whom seem to have slight personal biases against diversity, the polygons dance across the screen again and again and mostly just keep managing to clump together with those who look like them. Schelling's papers about residential segregation spring to life through this simulation. Shapes get a little uneasy depending on how their neighborhoods evolve. You could run the simulation again and again and try to move them around, rearranging the composition of those polygon neighborhoods on the hunt for that right combination where everything will be copacetic. Turns out I'm a bit of a sucker for cute little shapes with smiley faces. And after a few minutes, I began to see the patterns. Those adorable yellow triangles and perky blue squares are not so easy to coax into happy configurations. Yes, this game is meant to give us a glimpse of our subconsciously driven human habits, the kind that kind of hits you right here in the gut. Because we've all seen those ways we can tend to segregate ourselves, not unlike those perky polygons. Not even the all-knowing computer, turns out, can optimize outcomes for these shapes. Yes, the polygon perceptions can shift a little at the margins as different shapes move together, and it turns out there's a little bit of a trick to getting them to skillfully experiment, moving two by two towards this little thing called the friendship box that the game designers represent as that holy ground where everyone's inner Pharrell Williams comes out to dance. Our epistle reading today shows Paul's knack for sharpening contrasts, not unlike the parable of the polygons. The Corinthians believe themselves are pretty much alike as Christians, even if they do seem a little bent towards teaming up. Apollos, Paul... His customary critique of these tendencies that he calls living according to the flesh flag that disappointing way we can sometimes handle difference. The Corinthians are spiritual infants, far from adulting yet. They can't stomach much besides mama's milk. 
And developmentally, they really should be on to solid food by now. Paul's been forming them in the faith for years. And he thinks it's more than time they level up. Competition, quarrels, jealousy really have no place in God's family. And keeping rivalry at bay in their church, just like any other, is easier when Jesus is their focus instead of celebrating their own handiwork. As we've heard from many of the spiritually mature, Christ must increase and I must decrease. Faith communities can be learning labs for that. We courageously look for these sacred encounters with diverse individuals that come together in a place like this. And slowly, we start to step outside our comfort zones. It's true, differentiation doesn't unfold without some challenge. Our natural inclination is to clump with those who look like us, who love the things we love, yellow triangles and blue squares all together. But that can be unhelpful behavior, even if familiar, because turns out it's rooted in our primal instincts that still need to be conformed to Jesus Christ so that we once more, as we have time again in times long past, moved closer to that glimpse of God's kingdom, the kind of configuration we need most if we are to thrive. Which brings me to noticing in this passage It seems like Paul has buried the lead. Or maybe it's the lead for us. You are God's field, Paul says. God's planting is how another translation puts it. This contrast, our being God's garden instead of those who water and work the field, makes all the difference in the world if we are to hear the good news of this text. Because All Saints is not a church torn apart by factions, and we can give God praise and glory for that. Nor are we a community of faith that is decimated by competition and quarreling. We're not hamstrung by insecurity and shame. And we truly want to rise above the personal biases so common to our human nature, the kind that showed up in that simulation with the blue squares and yellow triangles. We do genuinely strive to be more, to live into that vision of Christian community, God's planting that looks a lot more than keeping like side by side with like. And God, after all, does tend to complicate our aspirations for diversity with those many different people that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing here. Saints of all sorts and conditions, as we're fond of saying, if you look at the plaque in our chapel. And this is good news, because we live in an era of increasing isolation, increasing polarization. You just have to look at Ezra Klein's newest book. Our neighborhoods and workplaces tend to look more and more alike, full of people with similar backgrounds and 
education, people who love the same hobbies and interests as we do. Yes, the church is probably one of the few places where we can encounter Jesus Christ in the face of those who aren't just like us. Yes, even the face of complete strangers. Miraculously, this doesn't crowd out the safe space we all need to feel like we belong. Here, we can inhale in relief at that joy we discover slipping right into our place at our communal table, right here in the midst of Midtown. In this year of discernment at All Saints, we've committed ourselves to being a community that continues to notice, looking for those similarities and differences that exist between us here on our block and our neighbors close by. We're wondering about what we might yet discover as we dare to build relationships with that diverse mix of people we might not even know yet who also inhabit this vibrant city of Atlanta. Sometimes we are quite like the triangles and squares in the parable of the polygon, trying to maximize our place in all those circles in which we move. And sometimes that shows up here too, in this family of faith that feels so much like home. To soak up the nourishment of Paul's wisdom, to refuel and let it guide us for our work that lies ahead, we need to pay attention to that buried lead. Because we are God's field, called to bear lasting fruit. And our potential to level up has a lot to do with just how curious we're willing to become. We can dare to nurture that instead of paying attention to jealousy and insecurity that might trip us up. The Holy Spirit is the one who awakens our imaginations, helping us grow into that spiritual maturity. And we have a choice about what we choose to feed those imaginations. When I was in fourth grade, my family lived in Enterprise, Alabama. While we were there, we had the pleasure of developing a garden. Daddy measured and built the garden boxes. And since those red clay native soils were just a little tricky for novices, we brought in the topsoil, tending our seedlings carefully. Every square inch of that landscape meticulously plotted out. Marigolds and nasturtium flanked red and green leaf lettuce. The patterns were beautiful to look at when you glanced out over that garden. Strawberries and green beans, cucumbers, corn, and watermelon. We didn't get to taste everything in that bountiful garden. Our next-door neighbors, though, reported back on the watermelon, sweet and juicy as you could want at the end of summer, long after we'd moved away. Getting curious about God's dreams for us might mean a lot of things, depending on where we're situated in this garden. It's the Holy Spirit's work to nudge us, each and every one, just a bit closer to that elusive 
friendship box. Since we're here in the garden, we may do well to notice who's right next door to us. Maybe we'll even choose to invite someone we don't know yet to stick close by as we discover our way together. Paul's challenge to level up applies to all Christians everywhere because our whole life is one long growth spurt in spiritual maturity, a journey we do have a choice about whether to embrace. To do so, we've got to be willing to let God experiment creatively with our lives. We are God's field, God's planting. How might curiosity nudge us to imagine the verdant plantings that God wants to bloom at this part of our history, right here in Midtown? There's plenty of groundbreaking God still wants to do in all of us, and I know God is up to that right now in my own heart. But the precious planting that stretches out in our future promises beauty joy and freedom to grow together as we surrender to the master gardener. Let's make space for God's life in us as we give ourselves to becoming that lush spiritual haven, a nourishing place that can be home for all, filled with the bounty of generations. Amen. <laughs>